0: Hey everyone, welcome to Hope is in the Middle. My name is Megan Blake and I am a member of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If faith is the beginning and love is the end, hope is in the middle. This is a scripture and general conference study podcast that will help you experience Jesus Christ and grasp His hope. Join me as we learn together how to cling to this excellent hope. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm so excited you can join me. As I'm recording this, it's Wednesday or Thursday. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I am losing track of time. It's Thursday. My children are asleep, so we have this pocket of enjoyable time together to study the words of our beloved apostles and prophet, as well as some scripture. So let me tell you where we're going to be today. We're going to be discussing Elder D. Todd Christofferson's talk called The Doctrine of Belonging, so you want to get that out. We'll also be in Isaiah chapter 41, and just be sure to have your Isaiah open. We'll be in Isaiah quite a bit today, actually. Um, We'll also be in a little bit of the Pearl of Great Price, so you might want your Pearl of Great Price, and I think that's it. If there's any others, I apologize, (laughs) Um, but let's just jump right in right now. So Elder Christofferson goes or starts out his talk by mentioning that he will be discussing three things in relation to belonging. The first one is the role of belonging in gathering the Lord's covenant people. The second one is the importance of serving and sacrificing in belonging. And the third one is the centrality of Jesus Christ to belonging. So I can't wait to dive into these topics today. I'm so, so excited. First, let's define belonging. What is What does it mean to belong? On um, If you just Google it, um, the first things that pop up is this idea of ownership. Belonging is to be owned by. It also means to be held by. Or in other terms of like a servant, right? It means to be at the disposal of someone. It also means to be included in or be affiliated to or connected or associated with. So there's so many different avenues we can go with this. So for today's purposes, I want you to just imagine this idea of ownership. And in your mind, maybe be thinking about covenants, And when we make covenants with God, right, we make covenants at baptism, we make covenants in the temple. When we make and keep those covenants, we have entered into a relationship with God that is very unique and very different. And it's so fascinating because everything about the gospel, everything about the scriptures or in the scriptures is coming back to this idea of this covenant relationship with the Savior. That's the end-all be-all. It all ends at the temple of the Lord and his home. So it's this idea of relationship. And I also think about a good servant. What makes a good servant? It's someone who is so loyal to their master. And not only that, but this master is very loyal to them. And just, it's a very deep and intimate relationship, even if it is in servitude. And I think it's just so interesting to grasp this idea in scriptures. It's called the Old Testament and the New Testament, because testament actually means covenant. And I learned this on my mission. The word for the Old and New Testament is Zaviet, which is a covenant covenant. It's the same word as when we make covenants with God, it's that same word. So it, it was so exciting to realize on on my mission, I should have realized it sooner, but that it is the covenant story of covenant Israel and and us today. It is our covenant story. So I'm so excited to dive in here. Before we begin into that, there's two types of relationships I want to focus on. And he, Elder Christopherson mentions these in his talk, which I think is so beautiful. But the one relationship he's referring to is is this idea of spontaneous and warm. He actually uses those words. And I love that. I love that imagery there. And he also talks about service and sacrifice, which is kind of a a little bit more of a deeper. So I I kind of picture the spontaneous and warm uh, in terms of acquaintance and getting to know someone. And then this other deeper concept of service and sacrifice and loyalty, it's this deep and intimate relationship. So one quote from his talk that really stuck out to me for this first relationship type is this, as our church population grows ever more diverse, our welcome must grow ever more spontaneous and warm. We need one another. And I love this idea. The past few months, I've been specifically praying and working on being open and and just genuine with people instead of transactional. It's actually been a really huge thing for me is that we go about our day and and you know at the grocery store whatever and we often treat people so transactionally and i've just been trying to be more open and genuine with people and more warm and spontaneous and that's why this stuck out to me so much but it's just that idea in fact i was at the grocery store the other day and um i see the same gentleman there ringing me up every time i go i don't do the self checkout just for that reason <laughs> cuz I don't get enough people interaction in my life with young kids. Well, he was ringing me up and I was like, I've seen you here before so many times. Like, What's your name? And, and you know, got to know him a little bit. And I was like, at the end of it all, he finished ringing me up and paid the bill. And And I was like, you know what? Thank you so much. You are so good at what you do. You really are. And just like, I just complimented him just in that moment and and he kind of was like taken aback, like, oh, thank you. Like that means a lot to me. And um it was so good just to be warm and in that spontaneous moment of complimenting him and recognizing that I've seen him there before and and he's obviously seen me there and and you know we can cultivate this acquaintancy relationship and and get to know each other. And I think that's the beauty of human interaction, right? Didn't COVID t- taught us something, right? It was that we need people in our lives. We need face-to-face interaction and we need relationships in our life. And not just transactional, but warm, which I love. My dad was the ultimate example of, of this spontaneous and warm He, we would be in line at Disneyland and every single line we were in, he'd always strike up a conversation with the people next to us. So fun. And he got to know where they were from, what they did. He always had these amazing questions to ask them about their life. And, and, you know, he, and every time we'd ask our dad, I'd be like, dad, how do you just like, you know, have these amazing conversations with people? And he's like, honestly, I just want to know how people function. Like, I just want to know how they tick. And um, I never forgot that. And I think that's been a huge um, example for how I need to be acting in my own life, although it doesn't come as naturally to me as it did my father. But just seizing every opportunity we can to be spontaneous and warm with people. He did this all the time, and I'm so grateful to my dad for doing that. Okay, this next relationship type is this idea of service and sacrifice. And Alder Christopherson says, a sense of belonging is important to our physical, mental, and spiritual well-being, which I think is so fascinating, especially when we think of this idea of of belonging being ownership. And like we want to be owned. We want to have someone... uh, Be close to us, hold us, um, and just be connected to us. I think that's so interesting. Continuing on, belonging comes not as we wait for it, but as we reach out to help one another. And then I'll quote, um, he went on to describe a story and he, he mentions that the prevailing attitude among our generation is that, life's difficulties are a threat to one's well-being and should be refused and it's this idea of if our husband if we argue at times with our husband uh we should leave him right and um if our children are annoying us put them in daycare I and mean, that's that's the con that's the mentality these days is that any kind of oppression right he he quotes it as oppression um He relates a story about a woman named Christina. He says, Christina worries that her friends don't grasp that trials and even suffering are a normal part of life and maybe even a part of a good life. If that suffering teaches us how to be patient, kind, and loving. By this philosophy, anything that one finds difficult is a form of oppression. And I think that's so fascinating. And then he goes on, by contrast our pioneer forebears derived a deep sense of belonging, unity, and hope in Christ by the sacrifices they made. I think that's so interesting. Unity, belonging, and hope by means of their sacrifice. I don't know, that just seems so fascinating to me that sacrificing brings this into our lives more abundantly. Um, The sacrifices they made to serve missions, to build temples, to abandon comfortable homes under duress and begin again, Mm -hmm. and in a multitude of other ways consecrated themselves and their means to the cause of Zion. So any sacrifice we make to the Lord is going to bring this sense of belonging, which is so interesting. Interesting. I think about the spirit that I felt on my mission, this idea, this feeling of belonging. And even to this day, and I'm sure it'll just keep continuing, anyone who I closely interacted with on my mission and my mission president and wife, I'm, I am feel so um, connected to and so just like we've been through war together, right? Like we've been through this hard, hard thing but it brought us so close together. So it's this idea. Um, I love how he connects this. Any sacrifice we make in the Lord's cause helps to confirm our place with him who gave his life a ransom for many. Um, And I just like that illustration of Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice for us. And if we just can sacrifice for him, like how much more closer will we be to him and, and belong to him? I think it's interesting. Okay, so this last type that's deeper, deeper that I wanted to talk about is the covenant relationship. And I've decided that belonging is the covenant relationship. That is belonging that is how we belong to him is entering into a covenant with him i love this quote the church is the custodian and i love this word custodian here because it means responsibility for and and this look this looking after something so the church is is this looking after and this responsible for the covenants of salvation and exaltation that God offers us through the ordinances of the Holy priesthood. So the church is just the like platform we have in order to enter into this covenant relationship, right? And we sometimes like think, oh the church is like separate from that relationship, but no the, the church, helps us to establish this covenant relationship and to enter into it and it helps maintain it um like a custodian right it's just it upkeeps it it like makes sure it's there to make sure that we can enter into that relationship in possibly a smooth way <laughs> right not not some messy roundabout way but just like organized way Hopefully that's making sense. He goes on, it is by keeping these covenants that we obtain the highest and deepest sense of belonging. So this covenant relationship is the end all be all as far as belonging goes. And President Russell M. Nelson recently wrote, once you and I have made a covenant with God, our relationship with him becomes much closer than before our covenant. Now we are bound together. Because of our covenant with God, he will never tire in his efforts to help us. And we will never exhaust his merciful patience with us. Each of us has a special place in God's heart. And I love that imagery there. We're going to dive into some amazing scripture about this. And actually, maybe we'll turn to there now. It's in Isaiah chapter 43. And I'm, I'm going to kind of jump around in scriptures but Isaiah 43 verses 1 through 9 is is mainly where we're going to be in for the time being but it's this idea of the covenant relationship verse 1 but now thus saith the lord that created thee o jacob o israel right and he that formed thee o israel we see this synonymous parallelism Um, If we understand, Isaiah is all about Hebrew poetry. So, and he tends to repeat himself in a, and it's supposed to be poetic in Hebrew, but he repeats the same idea. So if you get confused in Isaiah, just remember he's repeating a similar idea of what he said previously. So, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob. Now he's repeating himself again, just in different words. O he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by my name. Thou art mine. Oh, I love this. I love this verse. First of all, we see this idea of ownership. Thou art mine. I own thee. (laughs) <laughs> I have called thee by name. We also hear see this connection like he knows us. Oh my goodness, he knows me by name. I also love how he mentions at the get-go, I have redeemed thee. Um we'll talk about later what this term here in Hebrew means. But um it just shows him as this redeemer. And um, just keep that in your mind. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. But that is also very significant. Okay, verse 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. This idea of protect, protection, of... um. We're passing over the waters, but they're not going to sink us. They're not going to overflow us. And um, when we walk through fire, we won't get burned. right? It's this idea of him protecting us and holding us in his arms. Verse 3. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopian Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. I love how he ta- says precious here, and honorable, and loved. Isn't that just so beautiful to be precious to someone, to be honored by someone, to be loved by someone, and someone who is greater than us? someone who is like created everything right like we get this sense of like wait it should be opposite but no he's just like this amazing amazing god verse five fear not for i am with thee i will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west i will say to the north give up to the south and actually give up here means to, I th- oh man, I can't remember the, I think it means to, to let them go. And to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far, my daughters from the ends of the earth. This, this sense of gathering under his wings, right? He's gathering from all of these corners. And um, let all the nations be gathered together. Let the people be assembled who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified. And, and um, whenever you see justified in scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, you can think about setting right. Like he's going to make things right in our story. He's going to make things right for us. And so let them come, gather them together that they may be set right like that, that I can just like make things right in their life or let them hear, right? And say it is truth. And I just love this idea of the gathering. Just so beautiful. Um. Okay, this other scripture, Moses chapter one, just going to quote verse four. Um, before God is saying to Moses, I am like, endless i am just this amazing almighty god like i have created the heavens and the earth and i'm beginning of days and end of years like i i am without beginning of days or end of years i am just like amazing and then he says behold moses thou art my son and i love this idea and we jump down to verse 37 of the same chapter the heavens, they are many, they cannot be numbered unto man, but they are numbered unto me, for they are mine. This is covenant language. This is ownership. This is belonging. And I love this idea of him being so big, yet so, we're so owned by him. We're so connected to him. and And the fact that President Nelson mentions that this covenant relationship, our relationship with him become, becomes closer after we've made this covenant. It's just, it just drives it home more. Like I want to have this covenant relationship in my life and I want him to be in my life because I want him to own me. I want, I want him to be in me and just so close to me that like nothing like people see me and see christ right like it's like one in the same person um so i just love this idea i also love what he mentions here he quotes hebrews chapter 7 22 jesus christ is the guarantor of those covenants if we will remember this the lord's high hopes for us will inspire not discourage us isn't this amazing it's not meant to be discouraging it's not meant to be like okay here's my standard try to keep up with my standard no it's like christ once we're connected on like a covenant relationship with him like everything about that relationship helps us in everything that we're doing and striving to become and living this higher and holier way and i love that it's not discouraging it's not meant to be discouraging because he's the guarantor of those covenants so what does guarantor mean um i thought about this for a little bit and i like to think about it in terms of a contract i know i've talked about this a little bit but covenants are binding and contracts are binding as well but the amazing thing about making a covenant with god is he's going to try everything in his power to help you keep that covenant keep that contract because he's the guarantor so i think about this um i've mentioned before my husband and i own some real estate and we lease out these unit units to our tenants but before we have a tenant move in we first want to have like peace of mind Like, are they going to be able to pay are they going to be able to take care of the place and you know just all these things but we go through this this process of like figuring out if they will be if they will work for the unit and for and be and with that process we have minimum requirements right and um for some tem- tenants who don't match our minimum income qualifications we sometimes allow like a financial guarantor and it's just this idea of a person an individual that is going to agree to pay their debt if if they don't meet if they um default on their on their contract if they if they aren't able to pay um and it's just like that safety net that if if they aren't able to pay we have this financial guarantor who's going to come in and help out with that payment well Christ is our guarantor he is going to help us in this debt process and um and I love that it's so beautiful hebrews Chapter 722 says, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament or covenant. And I love that. By by so much was Jesus made a surety. Like he made sure (laughs) of the contract that we were getting into. Like he made certain that we would be able to uphold that contract, that covenant Hebrews chapter 8, 6. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. And I love this idea a more excellent ministry. What can be more excellent than the atonement of Jesus Christ itself? That was the excellent ministry. And that was how he was able to become a mediator in the covenant. That he could be both like with us and also upholding the other side of the covenant. Like upholding both ends of the covenant. Which is so incredibly merciful and amazing. I love it. I heard something the other day that was talking about the covenant relationship. And it was this idea of when I got married... I took my husband's name because of the covenant or the promise I made to him and I took his last name and with that last name, I could sign checks and I had access to his credit card. I had access to his bank account and his, not only his money and his bank account and his wealth, but his family relationship and his friends and their the relationships with them and and hobbies and interests and I became invested and connected to him and everything and everyone related to him because I made a promise and took his name and the same thing happens when we make promises or covenants with Christ we take his name upon us we then have access to all he has and is and this is our relationship with Christ and i love this idea too that even before we were quote unquote married right like even even before i entered into this relationship with Christ and even now he is this like this boyfriend that is like just seeking me out like he's like knocking on the door he's sending me all these texts he's like he's wanting me to be with him and i love this idea um and i think this is also like an ideal relationship right he's like the ever faithful husband and devoted husband like you know he's never going to cheat on you and like can we just be the same back can we just be this like faithful wife who doesn't doesn't cheat on him um and i just love that to be married to christ right he's he's the bridegroom after all. Like right? when we read all these parables in the new testament he's the bridegroom and and it's it's this idea of this relationship being a two-way street we choose him every day but he chooses us every day as well And he's persistent and he's excited to hang out with me. I love this idea. Like, he's excited to hang out with me. And my covenants that I've made become this wedding ring of sorts. Like, I made a promise to my husband, so I wear a wedding ring. Like, I made a promise to Christ, so I wear my garments. (laughs) Like, like, it's because I want to show him. I'm dedicated and devoted to Him and faithful, and I love that. And I just, I, I just wish people everywhere could know that they can have this deep and amazing relationship with God and with Christ. And I just want people to know the Jesus I have come to know and love. Like, let's share my Jesus. And I love this idea, like, in, um, in Nephi, just my Jesus, like, I will glory in my Jesus. Like who else can we glory in him? It's him. It's all him. And I love that. He's the hope. Okay, so let's jump into Isaiah chapter 41. This, this is going to shed some light into this belonging idea and I want you to pay attention as we read here we're going to be in verses 4 through 14 but we're going to be skipping around a little bit so um, but just be looking for these descriptive words of belonging and relationship and being connected with Christ verse 4 who hath wrought and done it Calling the generations from the beginning, I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. First, I love how he says here, with the last. Like we're on this hike with Christ. And he's the one who's in the front leading the group and blazing the trail and and having a good time but he is also bringing up the rear like he's in the back with the ones who are like huffing and puffing and so out of breath and like how am I gonna make it up this hill like he's right there being like cheering you on like you got this you can do this one foot in front of the other you can conquer this you can do this like he is the one in the back with the last one on the hike and I love that idea and when we enter into a covenant and are bound with Christ he won't leave us in the back to fall behind and to um, be left in the dust right I remember I was in college and at BYU and um, before my mission and a group of us decided to do a nighttime hike it was gonna be so much fun and we were gonna hike Mount Timpanogos And we were going to get to the top of the mountain by the time the sun went up. And um, I remember we set out with headlamps and flashlights and it was so much fun. Oh my goodness, it was so much fun. Well, there was one girl in our group who um, didn't quite see the in front of her very well. And she was kind of falling behind a little bit. and, And I remember she had tripped and um on a route or something and so and just this amazing person in the front and I think he kind of had a crush on her actually because you know and anyways so he he went back and was and was like here I'll stay with you and and they went back to the car I guess and I'm not quite sure what happened after that but this idea of like he's blazing the front but he's also going to come back and help The person in the back who's tripping and just be with them and make sure that they're okay (laughs) like he's like this like really faithful and loyal person which i love i love that so it's just that idea and we did get to the top of mount timp when the sun shone that morning and it was breathtaking so beautiful it was also really frigid and cold and i remember just like chattering with my my teeth like it was just so cold But it was beautiful. Highly recommend it. Verse six. They helped every one of his neighbor and everyone said to his brother, be of good courage. I love that. Everyone, one to his neighbor was like helping each other and everyone to his brother, they were saying like, be of good courage. I just love that imagery right there. That's belonging. That's this spontaneous and warmness that we're talking about. Verse seven, so the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith and he that smoothed with the hammer, him that smote the anvil saying, it is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. I know that has some symbolic meaning to it, but I just love this idea of encouraged, that the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. Like they were in such different occupations yet they were able to like encourage each other. And I love that. But thou Israel, art, my servant. I love it. Like we're connected to you. We're going to be at your disposal. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. We see friend, we see chosen, we see servant. This is all belonging definitions, which I love. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee and not cast thee away. Again, we see servant and chosen. That's belonging. Verse 10, we know this one very well. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Doesn't that just seem beautiful? Like, be not dismayed. You'll be just fine because I'm here strengthening you. I'm here helping you and I'm here upholding you. Behold, all they were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, And they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shall not find them, even them that contended with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. Like, he will fight your battles. And and you won't have anyone to be afraid of after that. Um, Just this idea of, like, peace. Like, there's nothing that is coming for you. You can be at ease, be not afraid. He's going to fight your battles. Verse 13, for I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. Oh, this is so great. He's just going to hold our hand through it all. Like though we have to do hard things and pass through hard things, he's going to be right there holding our hand and like being like, I'm going to help you with this. And I love that. Verse 14, fear not, thou, and it says worm here, but it actually means meek and humble. So fear not, thou meek and humble, Jacob. Again, repeating this idea, Israel, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Okay, I want to spend a minute here thinking about a Redeemer, the Redeemer. Goel. That's what it is in Hebrew. Goel is to redeem. It's a verb. It also means to act as a kinsman. And I had to look that up for a minute because I had no idea what that meant. But this, it's this idea of... Uh, it's used in specific situations regarding the things of a, righteous, a righteous man would do for his near kinsman. So, for example... Repurchase a field which was sold in time of need. Um, That is like buy back the property of a relative that had fallen into debt. That is what a kinsman would do. Free an Israelite slave who sold himself in time of poverty. Avenge the blood of a murdered, murdered close relative. The next of kin must affect the payment of life for life. So this law of Moses, right? The kinsman... Is the Avenger of Blood called Goel Hadam. and it's from the idea of the human Goel as a redeemer of his kinsmen in their troubles. Um, so I love this like illu- illu- illustration, this this description that like, or this imagery that this this is a kinsman, this is someone who's gonna pay the debt when you when you have you know fallen short on your payments on your property he's gonna he's gonna pay it for you or it's this other idea of like you got sold into slavery well he's gonna buy you back or like someone someone murdered someone and like someone close to him like he's gonna go avenge their blood so it's just this idea of like he's got your back he's got you like you don't need to worry he's your security net like He's the guarantor. Um and I just love that redeemer. Um it's also this idea of um he, the redeemer is the owner of Israel. It's a it's a ransom. Um so in essence, it means redeemer means to make things right by many means. And that is what the Savior does in for us in our own life he can make things right for us in so many different ways and through so many different people and and he can just make things right i think about like you know he's reigning judgment oftentimes the word judgment in scripture i mean it's not judgment it's he's making things right in our life like that's his judgment is putting setting things back where they need to go just to make it right and to make it beautiful and warm. And, and, um, and I just, I love it. Like I, I will not leave you helpless. I will come to you. And so as we reflect on this covenant relationship, this close relationship we can have with the savior, I mean, doesn't it want us to be with other people, warm and spontaneous, and doesn't it want us to be um, like deep in relationships with especially with our family and and those we love to just be in service and sacrifice and also to be sacrifice and service to the Lord and entering into this covenant relationship and being humble enough to to do that I wanna and today by sharing the last paragraph of elder christopherson's talk which was an i affirmation this like personal affirmation we can repeat every single day to give us power and just understanding of what we're doing what this is all about and and this covenant relationship that we can have with the savior and it's truly so beautiful i have it actually hanging on my fridge But I think you should hang it in the bathroom or on your fridge or on a mirror somewhere. Just have it in front of you because it's so powerful. And here's what he says. Jesus Christ died for me. He thought me worthy of his blood. He loves me and can make all the difference in my life. As I repent, his grace will transform me. I am one with him in the gospel covenant. I belong in his church and kingdom, and I belong in his cause to bring redemption to all of God's children. Isn't that so powerful? I love that. I love our Savior. I love my Jesus. And I, I hope you could feel that today as we were reading from the scriptures and from Elder Christofferson's words. It's all about His grace. It's all about the gospel covenant. It's all about being one with Him. And it's all about belonging. Have an amazing rest of your week that's filled with the Savior. We'll see you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hope is in the Middle. Isn't hope in Christ amazing? If you want to check out anything that was mentioned during the episode, you can go to hopeisinthemiddle.wordpress.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Hope is in the middle. Thanks for listening. We'll see ya.